Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to Food News. I'm Julia Littman. And I'm David Jacoby. Let's put 30 minutes on the clock. And just a reminder, minutes. if you guys have Food News or you yes. just want to tell us something, give us a call at 646-138. Be part of the show. We want to hear from you. Exactly. We really do. All right. Let's get started. Hot topic going around the restaurant mm. world. There's a lawsuit against John and Vinny of John and Vinny's. It's actually against their their company, which has this like joint venture restaurant group, which I was wondering if the J and the V of joint venture are supposed to connect to John and Vinny, but side note. Um, no, it's a marijuana reference, obviously. They were like oh. smoking a joint. Like, what should we call it? It's a joint oh, venture. Oh, interesting. Oh, I never Cali. thought about that. Yeah. Cool. That's why I'm okay. here. And You're welcome. Thanks. So at John and Vinny's and at their other restaurants, there is a service charge at on the bill. It's an 18% service charge. And I've been aware of this because they've always had it as do like the other John and Vinny restaurants in the John and Vinny family, um, animal, son of a gun, etc. And they are being sued by their former, by former employees who say that they were denied wages because of this um, confusing service fee. And they are, and they say that they have done nothing illegal. That it was vetted beforehand. Jacoby. Where, when you see a service fee on a restaurant bill, what do you assume that fee is? I mean, is that a real question? I'm assuming yeah. it is an implied tip. That's that's what I would assume. Like a forced tip. So like yes. that 18% like groups, is you know, going to your groups server. of eight or more, we're going to give you a 20%, what do they call it? Service, service fee. fee. Yeah. So it's the same thing appears on my bill at a restaurant. I'm just assuming, oh, maybe they get a lot of tourists here and they're just adding in the service fee. And I would tip another... Five to eight percent on top of that, and go about my my day. But when you get to like the legal weeds of this all, it's illegal for them, the management of, of any restaurant, to take home any tips that were given to the employees. But right. the service fee, that pool of money goes to the restaurant, and they can do whatever they want with it. And so they say they're distributing the pool of money to all their employees, which includes people who are not servers, dishwashers, so like, bussers, back of the house host, people, all yeah. That, yeah. Everyone. And so they're saying, like, it's like a more equitable way of doing it. I thought it went towards um, health care. Do you remember when that was a thing in L.A. where it was like, we're going to charge because we're going to give our employees health care? No, I do not. <laughs> well, it was. No idea. <laughs> but I will say, I, too, assumed it was a tip. And so I didn't give another 20% on top of it. And so 
I understand why these uh, employees, former employees are outraged. I And I now need to rethink every time I see a service fee, including you saying groups over six. I'm like, I actually don't know that, that service fee is going to the, to the waiter. I think it might just be going to the restaurant. That's the thing. And I don't trust the restaurant to appropriately divvy up this money. And on top of that, I would, if you have a thing on my bill that says service fee 18%, and it is not a tip for my particular server, that should be communicated to me, not in the fine, the fine print of some receipt that you gave me. Like somebody needs to say that to me. Use, I like a, I like a, uh, an sort of um, added service fee, like to groups of 10 or more. I like it when they say it out loud and it's all above the board and we all get it. You know what I mean? That's how mm-hmm. I prefer this to go. And what, I read like the New York Times version of this because they wrote one like a 10 days ago. Mm-hmm. And what, what a lot of people from the restaurants are saying is our industry would not survive without this. We need this extra 20% just to stay open. The pandemic has been so hard. I've got a fucking idea. Raise your prices. Or say pandemic surcharge. Yeah. Like just raise your prices. You is. can't make yeah. it without this extra 20%. Raise your prices 20% and see if people buy it. Because now right. people are looking at your menu items thinking that it costs one thing when actually it's that plus 20%. It's <laughs> so true. Also, I think that a lot of people would be like, okay, there's a pandemic charge. Fine. I get it. Like we 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 all lived it. It was shitty. I mean, maybe some people wouldn't go, but just be more honest about what it is. A hardship yes. fee or whatever. Don't screw the employees out of money they should be getting. Cause that does suck. And then in the LA Times version of this story, they interviewed a, someone who's part of the class action suit. Her name is Jasmine Shar- Sharma. Shout to her. And she talked about how she would like give a spiel table side when she brought the bill and like basically have to like directly ask for a tip. And like that also sucks. So awkward. Yeah, I feel bad for her. If, but it also because it's so nebulous what the service fee is. So if I was a server, this, I'm just doing a rehearsal for the first time. I'd be like, thank you so much for dining. Here's your bill. You'll notice there's an 18% service fee. That is for the service that the entire restaurant provides. If you would like to also pay me an individual service fee, you can add that in. Thank you very much. It basically makes me look like I'm just like panhandling at that point. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like me being like, I know you're paying an extra 20% for service, but if you want to pay extra, extra to me personally, please do that. That puts them in a really bad spot. Yeah, I, I, it seems like they... I also would maybe not want to go back to the restaurant as a result. I would just be like, oh, I had a bad experience. Like for me, when I go to a restaurant, the service and the ambiance and the experience is like as important as the food. And so if it's like awkward, I'd be like, eh, I don't know if I need to go back there. I, there's, there's another good, good Italian point. in LA. It's a good yeah. point. I, so, the way that my human interactions with the people that work in the establishment keep me coming back, whether it's a bar or a restaurant, a lot, or like a hotel. If you have like one really friendly person that that like calls me by my name and we've got a relationship, I will go back to that place time and time again. I feel like it's actually one of the most important things to you, but you seek that in every establishment you go See, to. See, I could tell by the smile on your face that you <laughs> you were like, oh, okay, yep, he left an opening, kind of like a boxer. You know, I left my hands down for a second. I knew you I was going to get counterpunched, and I did. And you're right. Yeah, you know what? I, I like to build a relationship with the service people in the service industry. I maybe I chat a little bit. Maybe I t- introduce myself. Maybe I ask them where they're from. You fucking kill me, okay? I like to talk to people, Juliet. I just think of our server at Zahav, who was like, had, didn't remember a single thing we said. The second she walked away from the table, to be around us, didn't want to talk to us, didn't want to know our name. She was just like, no hers. thanks. She was just like, it. I'm here to put the food on your table and go home. How many of the people we interact with in Spain do you think remember you? I, I, uh, zero percent, percentage. <laughs> zero. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I, I think at least like. 
three, but probably like the, the three that I I remember far more than Jaime. three. Jaime um, definitely. I mean, I those think, are like Dulce, friends of mine now. Dulce, I'm going to go with no. She doesn't remember us, but Jaime, yes. Oh, and they are both from Tenerife. Well, I'll never forget Dulce. Me neither. I loved going to Finca de la Calabacera. All right, let's move on. This is just also a, a note. Tip tip your servers, you yeah. know? Tip your servers. Don't, don't hold back. All right, let's move on to the Paris Olympics, which I have to be honest, you know how much I like merch, right? In Paris. In Paris. So I was in Paris recently and I had like, I had euros I needed to use up. They didn't want to change them back. And I also had like a little bit of time before going to the airport. So I just went to like the nearest like merch shop, the mm-hmm. equivalent of like going to Times Square to yeah, buy merch. The, the I love New York store. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. And I bought a Paris 2024 sweatshirt. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you bought a Paris 2024 sweatshirt? Yes, for next summer's Olympics. That is so it's a- weird. It's a cool logo. It's a cool sweatshirt. I really like it. It's not a cool logo. It's not a cool sweatshirt. And I don't even think you like it. I do. I'm like really happy to have it. The morning I got back to New York after my trip, I I put it on to go to my bodega. I just, like, I like that you were just like, I have these euros. I'm too lazy to get them to convert it into American Dollars. money. I might as well get a <laughs> shitty Olympic sweatshirt. This is odd. I particularly like bootleg merch, in fact. So I like either like super like official, like me and Neymar have the sweatshirt mm-hmm. or me and any person on the street have the sweatshirt because we also both bought it on the street. Good. So one, one or the other. <laughs> anyway, we're talking about the Paris 2024 Olympics because France has a law where you that restricts the sale of alcohol to the general public inside stadiums, which means that next summer at the Olympics, only certain people at the events in like the VIP sections will be able to buy alcohol. Um, and I think that sounds like not great for a lot of different groups, including the stadiums and everyone hoping to make money off all the people pouring into France for the Olympics. A couple of things. I went to the Qatar World Cup where famously there was like alcohol restrictions. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest differences here is they didn't like shut down bars across the city. You know what I mean? They, they didn't shut right. down liquor stores. There's be wine flowing all the time. Just when you're physically in the stadium, I only think that, and I think also... The VIP stuff, like we were drinking in there because we were well taken care of, but I don't think it changed the experience that much. Like college football games are like this. You know, like like you kind of get drunk first, you go in there, you kind of sober up while you watch the game. The only thing I would say is I think some of those track and field meets can get pretty long. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a full day thing. If it's a basketball game, it's like, all right, have a couple beers, go to the game, come out, have a couple beers. But I think some of those track and field events or like the swimming events can go for a long time. And when I read this, I wasn't so much concerned about the Olympics because it won't affect me personally. All I care about is myself. I thought to myself, what about concerts? Mm. I was thinking, yeah, I was like, like Beyonce, all- if I went to Beyonce last weekend, I couldn't fucking have a beer. Same with football matches, European football. Like those are short. It's a great, great to have a few beers there. Yeah, why not? It's a really good environment for that. Yeah, absolutely. It's like part of the fun of a live event. I also was thinking like, you know, it, it's almost never a good investment for a city to host the Olympics. Like, I think that's been proven over and over again. Over and over and over again. And this is another way in which they're not making money. Which exactly. Is like, don't you want the local venues to be able to sell as much stuff as possible, including alcohol? I just, I don't know. Maybe they should do like tickets or something like that. So I don't know. And one of the things they said, they're like, well, in order to do that, we would have to change the law. And that's like crazy. I'm like, you guys are lawmakers by trade. All you do is change (laughs) laws. This is what you do. You make a law, then you make an exception, then you make an amendment, and you make another law. Just change the fucking law. Do the paperwork. (laughs) 
I completely agree. Um, good luck, France. I'll be wearing my sweatshirt regardless. Let's move on. Next story. drive throughs drive throughs are a staple of American travel, I would say. Mm-hmm. And many places uh, are trying to restrict them because of uh, the traffic they cause, basically. Backed up cars going into streets, blocking sidewalks. Too many cars in the drive through Now, I have a question for you. This is a major California problem. Like yes, definitely. This is very regional. Um, when I see a drive through line more than like three cars, I'll just park and go inside. I don't Did we discuss see... this last week? Maybe. I think we did. I was like, this sounds familiar, but I think we did. I agree with you. Like, I of park course, and just go, go inside. inside. Yeah. It's like, if there's 10 cars in the drive through you're really going to be car number 11? What are you doing? Go inside. I will say in LA, they don't necessarily have parking for you. So, like, if you... D- so they might, but not that much. So it's like not always a solution. The the in and out backup is absolutely absurd. Like stupid. So many places. It's just not that good, guys. You know it's what? It's really like, not. Not worth it. Don't wait in line. But yeah, it's it's a big problem. But the places cited in this article from CNN are uh, Minneapolis, Fairhaven, New Jersey, Creevecore, Missouri, which is right outside of St. Louis, Orchard Park, New York, and a couple other cities that they've banned them for this reason. And I just like, I don't think it's like that big of a deal in most of these places. I also feel like it's kind of self-regulatory. Like if the line is too long, people would be like, nah, nope, not doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like how many people are just like, yeah, I'll just hop on this 34 car line to get the Crunchwrap Supreme. Like, no. Well, I do think people are lazy. Well, I'm not so lazy that I can't park my car, walk into the place and then order my fast food. I could think of a couple other reasons why the drive-thru is like more preferable, but yeah, I just think that like this, this seems like there's some, some other ways to fix it, but I always worry about a drive-thru like with the quality control. For some reason, I just feel like they, they don't put as much effort into uh, delivering you the right face thing. to the, to the meal. So they're just like, whatever faceless person eating this. Also, you can't complain. You can't go back and be like, oh, this is wrong. Cause you're in your car and you've driven off. Like there's, there's no opportunity to correct it. So like you're stuck with whatever they give you. It's a great point. Anti-drive-thru, Food News Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next. Uh, An aggregated article coming to us via the New York Post. They didn't write it. Menu anxiety. Jacoby, Mm. do you have a hard time ordering? I'll say this. The second I saw those, I've never considered this as a phenomenon in my life. Mm. But the second I saw those two words together, I needed no explanation. None, right? When you, <laughs> yeah, talk, I've, I've never considered this phenomenon. I've never been like, oh, I'm anxious about what to order. But when I saw those two words next to each other, I was like, oh, I can totally relate to that. I can yeah, totally relate. Um, I have like certain friends who I know, like I need to provide them with the menu far in advance. Otherwise, mm. they they will not be able to order in a timely manner. But um, I avoid menu anxiety by like just not really looking at it. Like I usually like skim, make a choice and move on. I'm just like, I don't want to spend more time on Whoa. this. Yeah. That is a, I did not expect that, Juliet Littman. Yeah, so you I avoid just, menu anxiety by not participating, by just skimming a menu, picking something, and then moving on. So you don't you don't even consider your options. You're just looking really. for something. No, but just like, let's get this over with. Like, let's just order and move on. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really? What's your uh, that's approach? That's like menu apathy. That's not even menu anxiety. It's like the opposite. You're like, whatever. Like, I mean, you've already menu- established on this podcast that you're there for the ambiance, the service, yeah. and to listen to me have human interactions with our server and then make yeah. fun of me about it later. Menu avoidance is my way of life. That's so if you don't wild. have menu anxiety, just, just don't engage. That's wild. Well, 
My wife is one of those people who has to look at the menu before we get there, but still won't have a decision made when we get there. But for me, it's not about picking the right item they'll enjoy the most. What really stresses me out is if there's something on the menu that's really good that I didn't get. Mm. Like I'll order something and then see like a, a dish being delivered to the table next to me. And I'm just like, oh shit, that pot roast looks really good. <laughs> you know, like that, that's, yeah. that is my problem there. So it's, you have menu envy. Yes. And and what do you know, our friend and big fan of the Food News podcast, Kevin Wilde, shout out to Kevin who's listening, he listens to all of them. Um, hey, Kev. He avoids menu anxiety and sort of like menu FOMO by just doubling down on someone at the table's order. That is so fucking annoying. So and every time he'll just be like, Kevin, I'm going to get exactly, no. exactly, like I'll order, he'd be like, two of those. And I'm like, <laughs> why do you do that? And he's like, that way we have a shared lunch experience and I cannot be out ordered. Two of those is actually better than someone being like, okay, I'll also have that. It makes it seem like it's like a, a suave move versus someone just being unoriginal or like uncreative. Really? So wait, how is all also have that and two of those dramatically different in your brain? Because I need you I to explain like, this to me. I feel like two of those is like more of like I'm in control. Like we will have two of those oh, versus no, you someone order, orders. And then he says two of those. Like I order first oh. and he's like, oh, we get two of those. No, that's still annoying then. Okay. Still, still <laughs> okay. super annoying. Okay. <laughs> Another thing from this um, like sort of fake article is there's a there was a um, poll commissioned by a company called Avocado Green Mattress. This, this is not just sort of fake. This is completely fake. This, <laughs> this the results of this poll I read without a grain of salt. I, I jumped in one of those huge piles of that that the fills dump trucks up with salt in the winter. I also just want to say I said Avocado Green Mattress in a really weird way. It's the mattress company Avocado. It's like which they like have all over LA or whatever. Anyway. They ask questions that I never would have ever considered, which is like what impacts what you order when you're at a restaurant. Um, and the factors that people could choose from were taste, cost, time, how messy, and environmental impact. I have never once sat at a restaurant and thought about the environmental impact of my individual meal. And ever. anyone, if this was a fill in the blank, no one would write environmental impact. People That's how see I know it, it was multiple choice. People see it as a multiple choice <laughs> and they're like, oh, I'm that person. I really care about the environment. I believe in climate change. I'm I'm, I'm a, a, a future generation person. No, no one cares about the environmental impact of the meal you order at a restaurant. No Never. one does. Also, it's like, it's a fait accompli at that point. It's not like you're like buying the meat yourself, you know? It's like they've already bought the meat and like the de the damage has been done. So yes. it's like too late if that's your biggest concern. So yes. maybe don't go to restaurants then. No one has ever considered that when going to a restaurant. Ever, ever, ever a clock. And they said it was something like, what, 7% or 20%? I think it was like 17%. 17%. Out of 100 people, 17% of them, the most important thing they consider when they order is environmental. That's just a lie. Those 17 people are lying. They deserve to be brought to, to charges. <laughs> brought to justice for yes. their lies. Yes. <laughs> All right, next. More environmental news. In New York... There's a proposal that wood-burning pizza ovens would need to be regulated and that um, the oh, like pizza shops would have to have a mechanism to control their emissions and therefore might not have wood-burning pizza ovens. I think it's coal people, as well, I believe. And coal as well. Excuse me, you're right. Coal and wood. I'm a former and, pizza professional, as we've discussed. Oh, it's very true. We should start introducing... You start introducing yourself. Yes, I'm Julia I'm, Lemon. I'm, I'm, I'm former I'm pizza Dave, professional, David Jacoby, David therefore Jacobi, making me a yeah. food expert. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, people were really pissed about this and they do not want their pizza to be messed with. However, I feel differently about this one than I did about the previous story in huh. terms of environmental impact. Huh. Yeah. 
I'm I'm really curious at this point, Juliet. Well, apparently it'll only affect a hundred of the city's pizza places, which is not that many, right? But moreover, I actually think it should be more because like collective action is what is necessary to to make an impact on climate change. And so like like an entire city regulating its emissions from ovens will make a much bigger difference than someone like thinking to themselves, should I order a hamburger or not at this one meal? So I do think that like collective action for climate change is important. So like, I'm okay with this. And also as discussed, I'm not a pizza fanatic. So I'm like, okay, fine. I am a pizza fanatic, as you know, former pizza professional. And I will say this does remind me um, a story from my former pizza professional career is when someone would go and order for themselves like a medium pizza with sausage and pepperoni and hamburger and onions and peppers and extra cheese and then be like, I'll have a Diet Coke. Like, I don't think <laughs> that the the pizza oven emissions are significant enough to dramatically change what New York City collectively is doing to like, you know, hurt the environment. I feel like there are other ways which would be more impactful, perhaps motor vehicles, for example, right? Like, I think there sure. are other factors that we could dial back on that would have a more of an impact than like Arturo's coal oven pizza on Houston Street. That's true, but coal emissions are a big problem. I, I But I agree, I agree with you that like the source of coal emissions being a problem is not New York's pizza economy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that said, I think people will survive. Pizza and people yes. will survive. And essentially so, what it boils down to is the pizza tastes the same, minutes. but someone has to spend $20,000 to put like a device on the roof that they have to clean every once in a while. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. P- build that into your service charge. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Problem solved. Great way to take a full circle, Juliet. All right. Next story. Pepsi. Pepsi has a condiment, Jacoby. It's mm-hmm. called <laughs> Pepsi Cola Chup like ketchup, but Pepsi Cola Chup. Um, And this is basically a press release, but still, I like the idea of it. It's for July 4th, and it's the sauce that you can put on your hot dog. Uh, It might sound gross to you, but it has a lot of uh, expert minds that had worked on it. Hold on. It doesn't sound gross to me. Let me just just educate our listeners. Wonderful. Beginning with a Pepsi reduction... The sauce is infused with a variety of ingredients such as smoked tomatoes, a blend of spices including cinnamon, thyme, oregano, and paprika, plus onions and ketchup. I think it sounds like a really good barbecue sauce. It doesn't sound bad. Because a Pepsi reduction just means like syrup. Corn syrup. Like sugar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sugar yeah, yeah. syrup. And it's that's like, the base of many barbecue sauces. So yeah, what's wrong with that? And many ketchups. It sounds kind of good. It just sounds like a, like a sort of a more caramel browner ketchup and I was excited about it and then it's like it's only available at four ballparks across the nation <laughs> on one day July 4th so, so, I mean it's like this is, this is like the, the the hyper dunk of like ketchup like I have to be like it's like honestly it's like I have to sign up for like an application buy it literally buy a ticket to go to a building and then get into that building and then maybe I'll get a chance to have the, the Pepsi chup I would like to try it I wonder if we can like Me reach too. out it sounds good I, w- I don't. Eat, I don't want to have it on a hot dog. I still have a personal hot dog ban ever since those pictures. So <laughs> you still not a, over you it. You had a bite of a hot dog since then, for real, for real. I have not. Oh wow! I know, God. and I I don't plan to. I just like I'm haunted by the, really? the pink, the oh, pink goo on the highway. They're delicious. <laughs> yeah, I just I can never do it again. Oh, I can. Um, ugh, absolutely not. All right, let's get into today's taste test. This is exciting. You're tasting. It's exciting for not. a couple of reasons. Um, our producer, Mike, 
he said, what about those ghost pepper wings from Popeye's? And I was like, oh, that's great. It'll also be another one of those opportunities where Julia gets to eat something spicy. I get to look at her squirm and sweat and be uncomfortable for like five minutes. But then, forgot you were remote. So I'm, I'm now sole taste tester of the Popeye's ghost pepper wings. Now, I've done a lot of research on these. When they came out, I was like, ghost pepper is extremely hot. This is going to be one of those challenges where everything's super hot. But early on, the buzz about these wings was not that hot. Not that hot. I'm excited so to find gonna out. you're going to discuss while I try one of the wings. If flats I were only, with you. Way. Flats only. Flats only. I agree. But flats, I think, as many people have noted, is basically the same as uh, chicken fingers or whatever. But anyway, uh, you're taking a second bite. So I think they probably are not that spicy. You just had several bites, Jacoby. Mm-hmm. Wow. How is it? Is your mouth on fire? Can't taste a thing. Really? If you wow. said these were fried chicken wings, unflavored, mm-hmm. I would have totally accepted that. They are not spicy. They are, they are not, not spicy at all. Take out the ghost pepper aspect. Are they good? For a fast food wing, yes. But fast food a, wings are not the, the I think best that's a bad wings. sign, though, because Popeye's is supposed to be like legit good. Like many yeah. chefs are like, Popeye's so good. And I think, yes, I think the problem with these is like I say, pistachio ice cream. Like pistachio ice cream is good, but when it's surrounded by all those other flavors, you're never going to eat it. And I feel like these are never going to be appropriately um, appreciated because there are so many other menu items at Popeye's that I would choose over these. I am getting a little spice aftertaste, which oh, is actually kind of nice. But okay. um, in the actual chewing of the food, I, w- I tasted no spice. So it's a lasting experience. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Do you like your wings to be super hot? I mean, we yes. know you like a, a spicy fried I chicken like a, sandwich. There's a, I like them. I don't like to fight my food, as we've discussed at length. <laughs> we know that. I like, a, I like to have a friendly relationship with my food, but I do your food like and a your spice. Server. Exactly. I like it to be very spicy, but there's gets to a certain point where I'm like, um, my son, quick personal food news. My son and I got this like super spicy ramen one time mm. and we ate it and both of us were just like struggling through it. Like it's just not fun at all. It was like Sounds a challenge. Sweaty. It was just like, what am I doing? This is awful. And both of us just kind of like threw up the white flag. It's like, why would I want that level of spice? But I do, I order them hot buffalo. Well done. Mm. But I don't like it when they start getting to that level where it's like nuclear. Inferno. You know, it's just like, what are we doing? Like, what's start lava? It's just like, what are we associating this with like death and dying? I don't want that. I want to eat it. So that's not the friendly relationship you're looking for. Exactly. All right. So maybe you'd rather have the Popeye's wings, even though they're not spicy. All right. Well, good to know. Turn it up, Popeye's. Um, all right. Let's move on to our personal food news. I'm on Cape Cod, as referred to moments ago. On the way up here. Per your recommendation and yes. inspired by food news. Yes. I went to Burger King. And yeah, you did. What'd you order? Uh, my mom and I split the Whopper Junior duo. I had a Whopper Junior with cheese. She had a Whopper Junior with bacon and cheese. And we also got fries. And, did you go inside uh, or did you drive through? Oh, we went inside. We did also got fries and onion and Did rings. you get to customize no, it? No kiosk. But I oh. don't care. My burger was, pardon the Burger King pun, flames. It was so <laughs> good. Good, right? I loved it. I was like, first of all, one thing that you didn't prepare me for, I had the junior patty, which for me is enough. Like sometimes a burger gives me like, I feel like a a meat hangover. So I was Mm. happy to have a small patty. Yeah. I loved, loved the accoutrement. Like the, it was just the combination of lettuce, tomato, pickle, and mayonnaise just really hit for me. It was so delicious. Also a a great size. And it was $2.50. Yes. And I had onions in mind and the onions like felt vibrant and alive. 
I had crunchy. onions too. They were good. Yeah, yeah I like, was like, they're, these they're, are fresh. They were just like sad, like onions that were like cut three weeks ago and then sort of like sprayed with something weird. Like those were, I, I really enjoyed my Whopper burger. And I think Me that people too. are listening to this around the world because we're international now that we went to Spain and they're thinking, wow, like Julian Jacoby just discovered that burgers taste good, but no, I it's don't a burger go King to Burger King that often at all. Also, I hadn't been in a long time, but I'd been to McDonald's more recently. It is definitely better than McDonald's. There is no, there's no question in my mind. Burger King burgers are significantly better. I would say out of 10, they're like two points out of 10 better. Oh, absolutely. I I like would happily go back. I really liked it. I also really like the size. Like it's not like a healthy meal, but it's not like a, you you know, you've just like blown your entire day on your lunch kind of, kind of meal. I I really, really liked it. Also, this particular Burger King in Seekonk, Massachusetts was incredibly clean and very pleasant and playing good music. I was just like, this is a wonderful place. I'll be returning. I will always be co-capped over Pepsi till I die. But I am now Burger King over McDonald's for the first time in my life. And and I'm 45 years old. I went to Burger King out of like, it was the only option in college. But now I would definitely choose Burger King over McDonald's. I would drive further to get to the Burger King. Absolutely. It it was really good. And again, this was a really clean, lovely location. So thanks, Burger King. I I had it my way and it was great. (laughs) BK, have it your way. (laughs) Two weeks in a row, Burger King getting shouts out. God, it's so good. I want one right now. It really is. I, I know. I'm like, wow, I really I like Burger King. This is wild. Okay. I, I don't think I'll be going to it in New York, though. I feel like New York City Burger Kings, I have less faith in oh, it being absolutely. really good. Yes. All fast food, like Manhattan in particular. Like, Ugh, I don't no. want I don't want my fast food restaurant Two to be part minutes. of a bigger building. I want it to be a standalone building. And I, I really want it to be close to the highway at the t- when when and where I need it. So. Yes. Anyway, carry on. Okay. And by the way, thank you, Jacoby, for inspiring me to go to Burger oh, King. Oh, you know what? I was about to like completely start a new sentence and you stopped me and you were just to say thank you. That was very sweet, <laughs> yeah. Juliet. You're so kind. Well, I owe it to you. Okay, thank you <laughs> for saying thank you. Um, my personal food news is a debate I had among some colleagues about, it's, it's related somewhat to the service charge when tipping. It is when ordering pickup, what is the tipping policy? Because Mm. there are two very different scenarios. If I'm ordering pickup through an app, a third-party app, there's a part of me that feels obligated to tip in a different way than if I'm ordering over the phone. Okay. If I'm ordering in an app, I feel like they print out the slip and they'll have the knowledge that I didn't tip them (laughs) as they prepare the food. And I feel like that could affect the quality of my food. If I call over the phone and it's like a pay when I get there type of a thing, I don't think they'll have that knowledge of whether or not I am going to tip. Right. And I don't think it'll affect the quality of my food. Am I overthinking this? And how do you approach this problem? And did you even know this was a problem? I didn't know it was a problem, but I don't pick up that much, Mm. though I should start picking up more because you save money. Um, I think that you should just went and out tip because it's like a marginal amount more than what you're going to pay anyway. And mm-hmm. it's like probably helping someone out who's, who depends on those tips. So like you might as well. Okay. Related. And this is, I don't think this is just a me thing. I want to know from you and everyone listening to this, answer this question for yourself. Let's imagine you're going to a counter to pick up a smoothie and you go to the smoothie often. You might have even built a rapport with the people at the smoothie shop because you build rapports with people in the service industry and you get made fun of for later on a podcast. But let's say you're doing that. And I decide I'm going to give this person two American dollars cash. Okay. And they've got a little jar next to the register. I will not 
tip them unless they see me tip them. Like I need right. visual acknowledgement. I need you to see that I'm tipping you. It's not you getting the money, which I feel is important. It's you knowing that I'm the one that gave you the money. So sometimes I'll reach up out of my pocket with the money to do it and they'll turn around to do something and then I will retreat and I will wait for them to turn around and then I will tip them. Do you do the same? I think everybody does this, right? I prefer them to see it, of course. Yes. yes. Of course. My biggest tipping conundrum is when I order it and I don't have cash and I feel, and I, I do tip, but it's through the app and there's no way of knowing if the delivery person actually gets that cash. And I always feel really bad about it and try to have cash on hand for that. But that's my biggest oh, tipping see, I conundrum. I already feel like I'm over tipping through the app because I don't tip 20% to a delivery person. Like pre-apps, yeah, you would tip like $2, $3 maybe. Yeah. But now yeah. they're getting $6. I'm like, but like who's that? that going I'm not giving to? you another $2, $3 on top of the $6 you're already getting. It, and if it doesn't go to you, that's your problem. Take it up with your lawyer. <laughs> I don't feel that way. But carry on. And I also like, I like the clean, cleanliness of the exchange of ring the doorbell, give me the food, close the door. You know what I, I mean? Know. There's no change. There's no transaction. I just don't think those people are getting getting the money. So I try, I try not, not to do your that. problem. Do you know what? Well, no, sometimes they just knock on my door and just leave the bag sitting there outside my door. They're not even interested in the interaction at all. <laughs> That's great. Well, maybe you've specified on the app that you don't want to um, have any interaction. I do that on Uber, but I haven't done that on, on <laughs> delivery apps yet. <laughs> all right. Let's get into our listener food news this week. Who do we got? Hi, Juliet and Jacoby. I'm Colleen. And I'm Laura. And this is Fanta Food News. We are so excited. We are calling in with personal food news in a very ringer-centric, cross-pod, live taste test of the Tom Cruise cake. Oh! That's right. Nice! Three months ago, it came in today. We're staring at it. She's gorgeous. She's coconutty. I'm going in for the first bite. I can't wait any longer. I think that's Laura. Ooh! Wow, this is fun, guys. Thanks. No, there was a lot of hype. This is good. I got a white chocolate chunk. Oh. I like this. I didn't know anything about this cake. It's so coconutty. Yeah. I like it. Oh, interesting. I wouldn't like that. Always a winner. Mm -hmm. We're watching Top Gun in the background. Not that that matters. Does. Thank you for your journalism, Jacoby. Colleen and Laura are fun. Thank you for all that you do. We're going to eat. We're going to eat this entire cake now. I think. Um, really? <laughs> Bye. God, Bye. Colleen and Laura. That was amazing. That was awesome. I want to try it. We got to do have. it. We're, and well, also, we're like, it. I'm just imagining them. I think they're watching Tom Cruise Maverick, not like the old Top Gun one. I think they're watching mm-hmm. the new one. They've got this cake in front of them. They're just vibing. You know what I mean? They're just just having some cake and watching Maverick. What a, what a fucking afternoon for those two. I know. It sounds like they're having a great time. They're I'm crushing jealous. Crushing it. Thanks for calling, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. You well, don't want you don't want Tom Cruise cake. You don't like the coconutty cake. I don't like. I want to try it just because, but I don't like coconutty cake. No, oh. no, not my flavor palette. I like it. Thanks to Mike Wargon for producing this episode. Thanks to Burger King wings. for existing. We'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>